This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Heidi Murkoff, and I'm a mom on a mission, a mission to help you know what to expect every step of the way. You've seen her on the Today Show, Good Morning America, The View, and Sarah Strahan and Kiki on ABC. Sarah Haynes is a pro at bringing you the news and sharing inspiring stories from around the country. But today she's getting personal, sharing her own story of motherhood, balancing her kids, her career, and her marriage. Plus, she's opening up about an issue that's personal to her, body shaming. We're going to find out how Sarah shut down the haters and hear her message, which I gotta say sounds a lot like my message. There is no shame in the mom game or judgment, at least 
There shouldn't be. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I wanted to say a big, happy, belated first birthday to Caleb because I Ah. heard he just turned the big zero one. We made it. We made it through the first year. (laughs) (laughs) You're on your own now. (laughs) I got you covered. I've, I've pretty much put him on his own. Yeah. How did you guys celebrate? We're kind of lazy parents when it comes to the first couple birthdays because we don't do a lot of sugar in our household. So a lot of those pictures with the cake. And so uh, I think for Alec, we didn't celebrate until he was four. Um, (laughs) But for Caleb, because now the other, the, the, the siblings know. So we made a special little cake. And every time we come into a room on someone's birthday, we sing to them. So it was all day, my family calling in, everyone always has to sing their FaceTime sessions. And so up until he went to bed, when he goes down first, we we're like, one more time, guys, family sing. And so all day long, it was Caleb, Caleb, Caleb. <laughs> so you, you have three littles, you have three, four and under, right? Uh, yeah, Matt, uh, Max, that's my husband, uh, Alex. Alex <laughs> oh, that's turned, the mommy brain talking. Yes, oh my gosh. Alex turned <laughs> four in March. So he's just a little over four. He's our oldest and Sandra's two and a half. And then Caleb is the big one. <laughs> Which was the hardest transition from one to two or two to three kids? Z- zero to one. Like that's weirdly- Oh, zero like, to one. Oh, smart. I yeah. always say to everyone that every, I mean, clearly it gets more- the, logistics of all of it are harder, the more, the less hands you have and the more kids you have. Fewer laps. Yeah. (laughs) I think the, the, uh, transition from zero to one was the most life altering. Yeah. I have to agree with you there. So, but between one and two and two to three, um, was there really a significant difference? It's weird. I feel so hazy on even remembering when I, I'm like, when when was, when were there only two? Um, <laughs> so I guess it, I guess I'd have to say two to three because, you know, um, after Alec, everything was e- The other two have been really easy. So again, Alec being now knowing all three of them a little better, uh, anything that involves Alec is harder. <laughs> so, oh God. <laughs> so uh, I think that oh. Caleb is going to be a really sweet boy because no one pays any attention to him. So he's going to have this humility and <laughs> That is, I'm a third child, so I practically raised myself. Me too. I always tell people, I was like, by the third child, I mean, your parents really nail it. Look how I turned out. (laughs) Totally, totally. I won't won't disparage number one and number two in my family, but I have to say, it it does give you a lot more resilience. And and it's funny because I was going to ask you about that because moms tend to get more relaxed with each kid. So the first one, you know, they fall down and you're like, oh my God, are you okay? Then with the second one, you're like, up you go. And then the third one, like nothing's broken, you're breathing. What about your pregnancies? Were they each different. Yeah. Of course they were. They're they were all different. different. My hardest one, I had postpartum after the first and the third. So everything about Sandra, and I don't think it has to do with her being my one girl. It just happens to be her, but everything around that pregnancy was good because on the heels of postpartum and fully expecting I'd have it again, yeah. when everything was easier and more enjoyable and I was relaxed, I was like, Oh, this is why people have 10. Like, I love this. And then I was so busy and we didn't quite, 
not that anyone really plans the timing, but it, uh, when, when I got pregnant with Caleb, it was the first time I'd ever said out loud because I felt so blessed that we had our, you know, our two kids and I was good that a three would be a beautiful bonus. But that when we got pregnant, I said, this is not the time to have a baby. Like I can't have one mentally. I'm not ready. And then it was like, I said that out loud. And I think I found out a week later, two weeks later that I was pregnant. And it was the one time that I risked jinxing my womb by saying, we're good. (laughs) We always wanted a third, but I'll let you know when that's a healthy mental decision. It's not now my husband agreed. And then he came. So, wow. um, it was, and then with that one, I just didn't pay attention. It was full survival mode. And then I ended up with uh, postpartum after him as well. So the first and third were definitely the hardest. Did you have pregnancy depression as well? Like at, at, when you found out you were pregnant the third time, did you have any of that, like mixed feelings that you felt guilty about? Yeah. So I had, I I always wanted babies. So I never understood why I could have depression while being pregnant. And then this New York times article came out when I was pregnant with Alec and it was about, I think it's called perinatal uh, depression. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think the postpartum caught me off guard because when I realized, Oh, perinatal, this is what this looks like. Postpartum looked so different that, I didn't realize you could be struck twice, you know, by lightning and in with the same child. So um, I, and then I definitely had it with Caleb, but I I really could barely say that out loud because I always felt like you look around and so many people struggle to have babies and at so many people in my life, so many people close to me, I can't even fathom. So I almost in a quiet room by myself, couldn't say out loud. I can't believe this. Well, you know, and I feel like I'm sure you agree that actually we do have to say it out loud to help other moms cope with it. Because so many times I get, uh, you know, I get messages on Instagram and my heart breaks for these moms because they feel like they have to be so strong. You know, it's good to say it without any guilt whatsoever, because there's never should be any guilt about it. It's weird because I would say that someone once gave me the best advice. They said, treat yourself like you'd treat your best friend. I never effectuate that advice, but I would tell my best friend, say it out loud. It's okay. Like I can give that advice because I do believe it's okay. I can view someone with more layers and grace than I can myself. So I think that I totally try to talk about it because I believe exactly what you're saying, that I believe more people struggle than we'll ever know. I think uh, talking about it is the only thing that helps because eventually, whether it's therapy or support in friend groups or uh, a minister, however you find your help, if you don't say I need help, it, then you, there's, there's just no hope. So I agree with you. Well, you know, sometimes being strong means asking for help. And I think that's, that's really the bottom line with that. So what about like every mom out there, right? You have a 24-7 job and you have a day job and both are super demanding. You can't exactly fake it on camera. So how do you manage to balance it all? And I know, you know, there are balls in the air. Sometimes they drop and that's okay because we're all moms here. We can admit that we dropped the balls. Yeah. Hopefully not the baby, but that, you know, that happens happens occasionally. Yeah, it happens. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your secret? Uh, My secret is uh, I, I definitely 
when I'm on camera, there's such a presence of mind that, and I feed off people's energy. I've been that way, way before I was on air. Like my personality from the moment I leave, whether it's a a neighbor, a a mailman, a doorman, it doesn't matter who it is. I feed off the human soul, like a, not like in a gross vampire way, a good way. So when I see people, I am so eager to connect that there's this energy, this energy that just it, it, since I was a kid always comes out of me. So with TV and my job being that I get to make people smile, I get to connect, I get to talk. Everything you see in my job is so real because I'm constantly surrounded by all these points of light, you know, all these people. And in those moments, it's actually easy to be present and easy uh, to feel whatever's going on in that moment. The harder part is at home. I think uh, one, it's harder at home in general. I'm better at my other job, (laughs) but no, I just had a moment this morning where I snapped at, I was doing laundry and Sandra was one, the baby's asleep and Sandra was screaming because she wanted to be with me. And I brought her up to the laundry room and she's fussing and asking a question. And before I paused to listen to what she was saying, I said, you know, the washing machine machine is not a toy, Sandra. And I was like snapping at her and she looks up at me and she has this lip and she's like, you didn't answer me, mama. You didn't answer me. And she had asked me like, just what is it? And I was so busy moving on and defaulting to getting something done that she wasn't playing with it. She was pointing and asking. And so I've had to learn to like get down on the ground with her. And I said, you know, like Daniel Tiger, Sandra, mommy's not always good with her patients. Like I was frustrated. And so I I've had to become my parents weren't like that with their feelings, but I think it's important to arm my kids with all of the range of emotions and a parent's imperfection young. <laughs> um, totally. That pedestal fall is pretty severe when you become an adult <laughs> and have to figure out that there's no perfect humans. And so uh, I have to work on it a lot. It's with kids. There's also the power dynamic. I'm in charge and they aren't. So I can get very quickly into cycles of just getting things done and and not stopping to truly collaborate or cooperate or communicate. <laughs> and so I think work is harder. The moods and the, um, it, it, it's hard faking. I don't, I'm not able to fake it at home, but I think I feel more yeah. of the seasons of change at home than I do at work. Absolutely. And I think the takeaway, which is a really smart one, is that there's no such thing as a perfect mom a perfect parent, um, because we're human parents. There's so much pressure from so many different sides. And, you know, especially on social media, everybody's always pressuring you and saying, you know, this is how you become a perfect parent. You can't be. So you're really smart about that. And you dealt with her just perfectly. That was the best response. You know, we're all going to snap once in a while. Yeah. Or a lot, you know, when you have three little ones and they're all screaming for your attention at the same time, it's, it's super hard. I love the show you do with Max called Couples in Quarantine. I'm a little insulted. You haven't asked me and Eric yet, but that's, no, I'm just kidding. Good to know you're open for that because we're recording (laughs) right now. So I now know that's a yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, just another good excuse to be in bed with him. But really, you get to be in bed with Max, you know, yeah. while you're filming this. And and so how is your coupling going in quarantine, but also, you know, having three little ones? I mean, it's it's hard to prioritize everything in your life, but that's yeah. probably 
the most important relationship of all, in my opinion. Yeah. I think one thing my parents did really right is they, they didn't tell us this, but they raised us like we were secondary to their, like they were in charge, their life was center. They were together and we were not. I remember seeing an Oprah episode about 20 years ago where uh, the whole episode was about a mom that said, I love my husband more than my kids. And by the end, you of course agree with her. I fully believe with that, that the marriage comes first and the kids are a chapter, a beautiful, chaotic, crazy, and amazing chapter all at once. But that uh, at the end, Max will be here with me. And if I did a good job, we did a good job with the kids, they'll be gone. And so- um, <laughs> And right. I, we we want to be one of those healthy versions of love that uh, Kathy Lee Gifford used to say something brilliant. She said, I let my kids know that they're the center of my world, but not the center of the world. And I, I think mm -hmm. that's knowing their small parts of a massive global world and beyond is one of my our number one tasks in raising them. So we definitely don't do the as much you know, date nights and things that we aim to eventually do because the kids are so young and pandemic has been really hard because Max is a lawyer and he's a pretty cool cucumber, but to have the kids on top of his job and on top of taking care of anything I'm going through has been really, really hard. But the thing I love about Max is we're both, we bonded. The number one thing that made us know we were right for each other was we both admittedly lived our lives like we're works in progress. And so he's the one person I can come back to. And whether it's a parenting moment, a life moment, um, he sees my worst sides, but then he'll often be the first person I come to when I'm like, you know, I was thinking about that. And this is what I think he's a collaborator in moving forward. Like we both admit we're imperfect versions today and hopefully a little better tomorrow and the day after that. And so um, I would say that in the parenting we're always putting our heads together on how we want to lead because we always believe in that united front. So, um, yes. Oh, totally. It's a team. Yeah. Oh, God, I would never do this alone. I, I respect single parents more than ever. Like, I yeah. could never do this by myself. But what you said is that, you know, you're a united front. And I tell that to parents all the time because there will be times when you disagree about, yeah. you know, a, a certain parenting issue, but you have to talk about it and come to agreement because kids are, are easily confused when all the rules are different depending on who's in charge. You know, the rules can be a little bit different at grandma's, but still, you know, there's got to yep. be consistency. That's, you know, the golden rule of parenting. Yes. And so if you're on different pages, it's it, it makes the kids feel insecure. Absolutely. You know, because fetuses grow up into babies and babies grow up into children and children grow up and move away from home, like you were saying. But yeah. that that partner is yours for life. And so that's the priority relationship. And I also think there's something that as I, I th when I saw that Oprah episode, I had stopped believing in romance because I was single at the time, but I thought if I get married and I have kids and this whole soccer mom generation where I have to live for my kids every day, what's the point? And I remember thinking, thinking that I don't want my kids to be around someone who is run so haggard and only worried about them to the point that they don't see a loving friendship and relationship and at times difficult communication. I want to arm them with the tools of what that is and what it looks like. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. 
Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second-grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made Raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Chris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. 
Last question. I promise you have to go. I have to go. But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you've interviewed so many incredible women during your career, and a lot of them, I'm sure, moms celebrity moms, moms on the street. Do you have a favorite mom story? One mom I've always admired and loved is Meredith Vieira. And I think it's because um, I I probably have a lot of mom stories along the way because I think we gravitate towards people that inspire and you find hope in. And so people that are buried in the same things you're in, you're like, oh, please show me that we make it through this. But one thing I always loved about Meredith is she left her career at a pretty top peak to be a mom. And not that I think you have to do either or. I fully support and believe people can do both. I think a lot of people in life end at the very end regretting which road they chose in a fork and whether that was in literal choice or a mental presence or whatever it is, we often look back and forgot what really mattered. And I think the fact that she continually comes back to her North Star, which is her kids and her husband, I think you can have all those meaningful, loving relationships and still be ambitious and amazing. But I'm always inspired by people that have that wisdom before end of life to say, I knew what mattered. I knew what mattered when there were other amazing things being offered to me that are sparkly and distracting. And I chose. The, the right thing. Oh, th- now that's inspiring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's the best advice you ever got as a mom? To go easy on yourself and that whole put your own your own mask on first. I oh, think as literally. Literally. I hope there are masks on this plane. <laughs> yes. But um I think as women, before I was even a mom, and this is a total stereotype, I'm stro- I'm using broad strokes, but every woman I met was so uh, overly burdened by taking on the world. And and then they become mothers, which amplifies it and then gives them more people to mama bear and fight for. And it almost enhances it to a level that you're like, there's got to be a moment to take a break. And I think as someone who grew up under a mom who didn't did it all in a way, she uh, was a nurse, but off and on throughout our childhoods and then ran us to all our lessons and cleaned the house and cooked and was a wife, a, a devoted wife. All those hats, right. I sometimes set the bar so high um, and think I need to do it all without forgetting, without remembering that to be the type of mom I want to be that remembers to eye to eye, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening, that has the moments to realize I'm, I've lost control. I can't be stretched to the borders of my capacity every day. And I think that means it's not about just taking care of myself. Even if you can only see it through the prism of being good for your kids, you still can't be good for your kids unless you take care of yourself. Bingo. And it's probably one of the best lessons that you're teaching your kids, right? I, I hope so. I hope some of this stuff is sticking. I mean, it sounds like you're you're teaching them a lot of really good <laughs> lessons and being a role model in the two of you and your relationship. Thank you. But you're not perfect because nobody no, is. No, mom is the first <laughs> one to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so what about all the advice that pregnant women get and new moms get that you don't ask for, right? Because it's all of a sudden you're like community property 
Did you notice that when you were pregnant? I think the biggest thing is the invisible factor. No one warned you that the second you announce you're pregnant, one, whoever knows, even if it's the secret inner circle, you will rarely hear people ask you how you're doing. It's always Mm -hmm. within regard to the baby and the pregnancy. And although we have to remind people we're not broken, we're just pregnant, would think you were broken because all people want to know about is the baby. And it's not that that's not beautiful and exciting, but I think it's the beginning of the journey of just feeling in the back seat. Like you're expected to drive, but you're in the back seat because yes. people stop seeing you as a human. They start seeing only the baby and you're still operating at full capacity, but to other people, there's a red flag pregnant. on you and you're just pregnant. And that, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that was a hard, uh, juxtaposition for me. Right. Did you ever get any, you know, shaming about your choices? Oh my gosh. Like I, I, where do I start? Um, I can't even, there were a couple of times, like my doctors were very lenient on what I ate. You know, they were saying times have changed and there was a time where people were very Mm -hmm. strict. And my doctor was always things like you can eat sushi as long as it's high level. You're not eating it at like the grocery store, you know, like you don't want to take risks. Uh, and so I would eat things and I felt like every time I was out in public, someone was looking at me, I got paranoid to the point that I would hide my stomach because I didn't care if you just didn't like my sweater. If I saw you looking at me, I knew you were judging something and it's already such, you're already judging yourself so much as you enter parenthood. I don't need everyone else to join. I'm doing well enough beating myself up without your help. So you did uh, make headlines about a topic that I hear from moms about all the time, the body shaming after your third baby, which I find inexplicable. But can you explain what happened? As someone who's been on air through three pregnancies, um, I, without a pregnancy and without a body shaming, the amount of things you see negatively posted about you are just endless and you know, so now add any body changes and the amount of times I was pregnant before I was pregnant was hilarious because it could have been, oh, you know, no. like any time you looked wrong oh, in an no. angle, you must be pregnant, which um, is different. But finally, I decided to address it. And it's weird because it didn't hurt my, I mean, the amount of things I've heard now about me directed at me that are awful and offensive, whatever. Like, I don't think you ever feel good as a pregnant woman, but I had a professional stylist dressing me. And she, right. so I would say, I'm not taking credit for my clothes. I think she did a beautiful job. And my belly button pops each pregnancy. And there was a man, usually it's women, by the way, but it was a man that wrote something about how he could barely watch the TV because my belly button was so disgusting to him. And yeah, and I, the first thing people say is don't read the comments. But the reason I always push back on that is my whole career started with Kathy Lee and Hoda reading social media. I was in, I was raised in Iowa, never had been in a TV studio. So I always said I could relate more to the people outside the window on the Today Show Plaza than the people inside. Social media changed that because we became one click away from people like myself who would never be near those studios. But all of a sudden our voice counted and it mattered. So my whole career began by going back and forth and engaging people. It's become, and as you know, with your career, it's become a really essential tool to hearing back from people, from continuing conversations to sometimes changing my opinion based on what someone says. 
it's a beautiful place that I refuse to avoid just because of trolls. So I don't think not reading the comments is the answer. I think knowing when you're in the right place to read the comments is important Mm -hmm. and walking away when you realize something got to you in a way that, you know, you need to step away. And that particular day that you're talking about, um, I have a little, I have a little pooch. And when I say I love it, I'm not just trying to empower everyone. I actually look down and because I've been so close and empathize with people that have struggled, I look down and that's my little, my little sweet war wound of Aww. it housed my three babies. And like, when I look at it, my body was able to come through for me. I was able to, you know, I've had women, my two best friends have lost their breasts to breast cancer. I look at my boobs and they sag and I'm like, but they're there and they didn't, yes. you know? So I look at my body in a different way with a wisdom at 42 than I did any year before this. Like I, I look at it as a functioning, healthy body. So my stomach pooches and I actually am lighter than I've been since before I had kids. So when I say, I actually feel really good. I mean, even in the most shallow way, my numbers have me feeling very confident, but my yeah. stomach pooches. So one day that this, this person came for me about how I know you're, you know, you must be pregnant and all this stuff. And what bothered me in that is that I am one of the lucky ones. I stand here with three kids. I stand here, uh, able to have babies and with the luxury and privilege of having babies in a way that so many people can't these days, for whatever reason, all ages, um, women are struggling and that could bring someone to their knees. If they were trying to have a baby, if they were possibly infertility and having hormonal responses, if they were just depressed and eating their feelings and had a pooch, or they maybe decided not to have kids. And you're assigning them once again and defining them by just their ovaries. Everything about it to me paints women into a box that can be so painful. And as I addressed that person, I wanted them to know you're lucky you picked on me because I have the strength to swing back. But I'm swinging back for all those people that are on the floor crying because of what you've done and what you probably continue to do online and in life everywhere. So I was fighting from a place of strength for something that I realized people have to stop doing. They have to stop defining women by their uterus. They have to stop asking about it. It's none of their business. If no one engages them and no one announces it and the amount of people that say, I knew you were pregnant. I was just waiting for you to tell me. I'm kind of like, that's fine. But guess what? No cookies are handed out for knowing. You can sit around and ponder who else in the world is pregnant, but guess what? There are no rewards for that. There's so many people that like feed off this need to have women, you know, to it just, it, it eats at me because again, they're just people way too close to me that, um, have struggled. They could, they couldn't walk past a baby carriage without crying. And so I guess, um, in closing, I was glad that got the buzz it did because I needed other women to know they're not alone because there are areas and and struggles I have where I'll be the one on my knees and I'm going to need them to swing for me. And in this moment, I'll swing for them. Well done. Well done. (laughs) And I'm so, I'm so glad you, you took no names and prisoners. Um, (laughs) You're standing up for your sisters, right? You're there for them. And, and we have to get to a point where we're all there for each other because it's never our place to judge another mom. It's always our place to support her in whatever it is that she does. Right. And, and in funny in life, 
not just in motherhood, whenever I've thought I was right, the universe has a way of humbling me. The times I've thought I knew what was going on, I will be knocked down next. It's just the way life teaches us. So I always say, we're all doing the best that we can. And I, I, when I look at someone, I rarely am like, why would they do that? I'm like, does it work? Because I'm going to try it. Like whatever it is. Like I, I think looking at everyone knowing how hard it is to end the day, having tried to guide another human strangers that say to me, good job, mama. I used to think, why would you say that? Cause you don't know the person. Now when people do, I'm like, thank you. I needed that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I so, so needed that. <laughs> I needed that. So we always need that. Now I hand those out. Yeah. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! (laughs) Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you... Here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. 
I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question. I promise you have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I hear you have a question for me. I do. So I have one daughter, and I know that you and Emma clearly have such a close relationship. Thinking ahead, right now, I'm the center of Sandra's world at two and a half. She was obsessed with me, but I know she's going to evolve through phases that are more difficult. How did you keep communication open, even at facing those stages where they want to push you away? I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Wasn't always easy. I, it looks easy now. You know, Emma's this bubbly, beautiful, full of personality, so funny. And we are best friends. I mean, not as best as Eric and I, but very, very, very close friends. But it wasn't always like butterflies and rainbows and, you know, besties because she, once upon a time, she was a teenager. And even even farther back, she was a toddler and she was a first child. You know how you said that your first child was so much harder? And I think she definitely was a classic first child in so many ways. But, you know, it's funny because people say, you know, why don't you ever write a book called What to Expect the Teenage Years? I tell them just reread the second year, What to Expect the Second Year, and do some creative editing. Because if you think about it, they call toddlerhood the first adolescence. Yep. Why did they call it that? Because it's the first time that a kid is separating from you and having those ambivalent feelings. And, and there are power struggles and there are temper tantrums. And there's, you know, you can't make me. That's the first time you see it, but they're wasted smaller and cuter. But when they're teenager, you know, it gets a little trickier. And and so, you know, Emma threw plenty of tantrums. She knew how to push the buttons. But the one thing that I think kept us solid throughout those challenging years was the fact that she knew she could come to me and talk to me about anything. And when I say anything, I mean anything. And there were times when I was like, oh, I want to put on earmuffs so badly because I really don't want to hear this. I really don't. And she spared, you know, she talked to both of us, but she spared Eric a lot of the details. She did not spare any details with me. And, and, you know, I wasn't like that with my mom. I didn't. I I was super good at hiding things. Like, I wasn't like I was a perfect teenager, but she never knew any better because I was hiding. I didn't want Emma and Wyatt to be those kids who are afraid to tell their parents whatever it is that's on their mind. Because you know, if they don't go to you, they're going to go to someone else and it's probably not going to be a safe space. But just the fact that you and Sandra spend that time together where she knows she can, you know, she's not going to come to you with things that are going to shock you at this point. But she will eventually. (laughs) But one day she will. If you shut her down in that moment, then she'll stop coming. So as hard as it sometimes is, you keep that line of communication open throughout all of it. Eventually, at one point, she won't want to just flop in your lap. Well, she won't fit in your lap if she's like Emma. Emma's like six inches taller than me. But 
there were points when, you know, maybe she wasn't feeling snugly anymore, but but we talked. There would be a place, like we'd be in the car. My eyes were on the road. Therefore, I wasn't making the, the direct eye contact. So she felt safe opening up. And you'll find that place, you know, that's safe where she can open up. But as long as she has it, then then I think you're you're golden. Is there anything you wish you knew at this phase that I'm in? Everything. That you wish you could tell yourself? <laughs> First of all, I knew nothing. I was like the definition of clueless in all things parenting because I hadn't we written all? any books yet. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the whole point. So it's like, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know how to get a screaming, you know, I was two for two with colic, right? So what I wish I knew is what you said is that there's no such thing as a perfect parent and that you've got to cut yourself some slack. I've always had a sense of humor, but I think that's a parent's most vital accessory, right? If you don't have a sense of humor, you are screwed from day one. You're already noticing that they're going to do things that if you don't laugh, you're, yep. you're doomed, right? Exactly. Choose your battles. Like, yep. don't make everything a battle. With Emma, everything was a battle. I wish I had just said, okay, don't wear your shoes. You know, don't wear them. Because then came that day when we were like in front of the Natural History Museum and she took her shoe and she threw it into the pond in front of the Natural History Museum and we never found it again. We went and looked for it, you know, when it thawed because it was the middle of winter. But anyway, it, the point is you got to laugh, right? Yeah. You got to yeah. laugh about those things. That and stop and smell the babies, which I think you've realized too, that you've got to stop and smell the babies. They grow up in uh. a blink of an eye. And I wish I had paid more I wish I had remembered to push pause. Thank you, Heidi. That's such um, priceless information. Well, Sarah, listen, where can people find you so they can write nice, nice comments to you? So I am at, um, at Sarah Haynes on Instagram, same on Twitter and Facebook. I drop into the view every once in a while. So really any of the above. Oh, that's great. Well, I can't wait to one day have a hug because I'm oh, hug starved. I'm so hug starved. I would love to oh, hug man. you. We can hold on awkwardly long, Heidi. <laughs> no, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Heidi. I really appreciate it. Ooh, baby love, my baby love, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Thanks for listening. Remember, I'm always here for you. What to expect is always here for you. We're all in this together. For more on what you heard on today's episode, visit whattoexpect.com slash podcast. You can also check out what to expect when you're expecting, what to expect the first year, and the what to expect app. And we want to hear from you. Connect with us on our community message board or on our social media. You can find me at Heidi Murkoff and Emma at Emma Bing WTE. And of course, at what to expect. Baby Love is performed by Riley Beaterer. What to Expect is a production of iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. In my arms, why don't you stay? Need ya, need ya, baby love, ooh, ooh, baby love. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. 
Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 